Good evening and welcome to our Bible study. If you have your Bibles, uh, please turn with me to Job chapter 1 and we're going to read from verse 13. So verse 13 of Job chapter 1. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at their elder brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were ploughing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the elder brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this Job got up and tore his robe, shaved his head. Then he fell on the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this Job did not sin by charging God with the wrongdoing. Shall we pray? Our Father, we again thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of being able to meet even in this way. But we meet around your word knowing that you are here in our midst. And we just ask that you would lead us in this time together as we learn more about you. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So we come to this uh, section um, and I've titled it The Scene Back Down on Earth. We continue to follow Job on his journey of unexpected events that will take him on through times of great suffering. Now, so far, we've been introduced to Job the man, and we've had a glimpse of the events in the heavenly realms. And now we return to observe the scene back on earth, where we witness the devastating events of Job's suffering. As these events unfold, we're going to have to think we're going to have to think a little bit outside the box but to think outside the box we need to know what is going on inside the box so i want us firstly to consider the general realities of suffering firstly sometime or other every one of us will have to deal with suffering to a lesser or to a greater degree it might be that you are suffering, or, or maybe you know someone who is suffering right now. Secondly, the result of suffering can leave us with long-lasting effects, both physical and mental. Thirdly, suffering can actually be part of our journey to maturity. You know, as we grow, we we learn from our mistakes and some of those mistakes can be very painful. 
fourthly, suffering can be part of our learning process. We might have had bad times at school. We might have had bad times during preparation for exams. Those times can be very stressful and they can cause us to suffer. And all we're doing really is to seek to better ourselves. Fifthly, suffering can be the result of our chosen lifestyle. You know, I, I played quite a bit of sport and when I was younger, and now I suffer from joint pain. Sixthly, suffering can be brought to us through outside influences. You know, we're expecting that right now with this uh, COVID-19. Lastly, suffering can range from a toothache to a terminal illness. It can range from pain right the way through to panic. And the truth is, this is the same for everyone, irrespective of what we believe. Now here in the book of Job, along with the heavenly hosts and the friends of Job, we're going to observe things through the eyes of a believer. So we have to bring with us what we know to be true of God, what we know to be true of ourselves, and what we know to be true of Job. Now, here are just a few brief reminders for us to consider. Firstly, what we know of God. Well, Job 25 verse 2 says this, Dominion and awe belong to God. He establishes order in the heights of heaven. So what we know of God is that God is always in control. If we go to Job 36, verse 26, we read this. How great is God beyond our understanding. The number of his years is past finding out. Now, this really means that some of the questions that we might ask will have answers that we wouldn't be able to understand. Therefore, we may not be told what those answers are. So what do we know about believers, those who trust in God? Well, we can go to Ephesians, and I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So here we have in this verse an important thing for us to remember as we come to this book of Job, and as we go through this book of Job. It is not by works that we are saved. It is the gift of God. So we need to remember that. Let's have a, a little look at Job. One or two things that we've learnt already that we know about him. In verse uh, 8 of chapter 1. This is Job as described by God. There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. This is God's opinion of Job. And when he says there is no one on earth like him, he means exactly what he says. He means that there is no one like him on earth. And as we observe what happens from here on in, 
we might have to review some of our preconceived ideas about what we think we know. This is exactly what Job's so-called friends will have to do between now and chapter 42. So, buckle up and let's go. Job 1 verse 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the eldest brother's house. Now let's just stop for a moment. You see, we've got to understand that this day has started well for Job. His sons and daughters are enjoying what is nothing more than a family gathering. There's no hint here of wild partying. Just a happy family get-together. Job and his wife are at home. The farmers are working in the fields. The donkeys are standing by, ready to carry the produce to the barns. The sheep are grazing. The shepherds are watching over them. And his valuable camels are being cared for by his faithful servants. What can go wrong? Well, let's read on. A messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were ploughing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. And the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped. Sabians. Well, we we know a little bit about them. In Genesis chapter 10, we read the sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put and Canaan. The sons of Cush, Seba, Havilah, Sabbath, Ramath. And Saptika. So this is telling us that these Sabians are probably descendants from Ham. Isaiah in chapter 45 actually refers to them and calls them uh, and refers to them as those tall Sabians. And in Job chapter 3, Job tells us that they were prepared to buy and sell slaves. And these Sabians, they have terrorized Job. They have robbed and killed all but one man who lived to tell the tale. And these are the ones who were there with the oxen, were ploughing, those working in the fields. Verse 16. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. What's happening here is what we might uh, call a natural disaster, maybe a lightning strike, what we might refer to as an act of God. And again, only one person is left alive to tell the tale. Verse 17. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. The Chaldeans, well, we read quite a bit about them. Genesis 11, while his father Terah was still alive, Haram died in heir of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. They seem to have been a semi-nomadic people from Arabia. And again, only one person lived to tell the tale. So let's just stop for a moment and, and... Summarise what has happened so far. A terrorist attack. A lightning strike. 
and a raiding party. They have all destroyed Job's possessions, along with all his workforce, leaving him with only his family. Now, Job has had no time to fully take all of this in. As one messenger finished reporting his bad news, another arrived with more bad news. And as if destruction and destitution and death was not enough, the cruelest blow, the knockout punch, is yet to be delivered. So we go to Job, verse 18. While he, that is the messenger, while he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were fasting and drinking wine at the eldest brother's house. Now, I can imagine that Job is thinking, Yes, I know that. And that's reminded me, I suppose I should go to them and tell them about what has been happening here. But before this thought of Job's can even be processed, the messenger continues when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. You know, I'm sure that as soon as Job heard the reference to the four corners of the house, he knew what the outcome would be. Physically, Job himself is fine. But these things are extreme, they are unbearable, and he suffers, he's suffering mental and emotional pain. A feeling that all is lost. How will he cope? What future does he have? Would he say, why, why me? You know, this COVID pandemic for many has caused a loss of material possessions. Many have lost what they saw as being a secure income. An uncertain future is ahead. And some have suffered the deaths of family, of friends or of colleagues. But for Job, these are all compacted into the space of less than 24 hours. And God has allowed this to happen to him. A fire from heaven. A mighty wind, as well as the other things, all to a man who in the eyes of God is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and who shuns evil. You know, Job is quite entitled to ask the question, why? But he will never have this question answered, certainly not this side of eternity. What do we know that Job does not know? Well, we know what Satan said to the Lord. That was in chapter 9 through to 11. Uh, verse 9 through to verse 11 in chapter 1. 
he said, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. We know what the Lord said to Satan. We read that in verse 12. The Lord said to Satan, very well, then everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. You see, God allowed it to happen. And Satan pulled no punches. Job is suffering beyond our imagination. And he won't know why it all happened. Let's just consider what will Job do? It's a good question, isn't it? After all this, what will Job do? What did Satan say to God that Job would do? Well, he said, Job will surely curse you to your face. Well, what did Job do? First part of verse 20. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. He feels the grief and the pain. He expresses his sorrow. He tears his robe and shaves his head. This is right and proper. And this is a natural reaction. A time to weep and a time to cry. And this is a time for Job to weep and cry. This is what we expect of each other. And this is what the Lord expects of us in these situations. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 4. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn. Under these circumstances, would we have done this? Yes, I'm sure we would. But would we do what Job did next? And also, would others expect us to do what Job did next? So what did he do? Well, that second part of verse 20. And he fell to the ground and worshipped. You know, this is not what Satan wanted him to do. But this is what God knew that he would do. And what did Job say as he worshipped God? As he spoke to God? Well, verse 21. This is what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He spoke words that would become some of the most well-known words of Scripture. How many people know that verse? I'm sure many do. How many know where it came from? How many know the pain that the man who spoke them was going through? How many know how faithful this man was when he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. What did Job not do? That's a good question, isn't it? 
What did Job not do? Well, we have the answer in verse 22. In all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. He didn't blame God. As we continue with Job, we see an exceptional man who is unique in comparison to all the people of his day. Verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Job is a real person. And he's a real person of his day. But he's one who prefigures another one who is to come. One who is greater than any on earth or in heaven. One who will suffer at the hands of God in a far greater way than Job suffered. One who is completely sinless. One who God calls his beloved son. One who took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. One who was pierced for our transgression and was crushed for our iniquities. And one who will be given a portion among the great and his name is Jesus. As we close, I want us just to consider uh, one thing here. In Luke's Gospel, when we read about, or where we read about how Satan tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, and Satan failed. And Luke tells us this. This is in Luke 4, verse 13. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. You know, this is the same Satan who is in this passage that we're looking at, has been dealing with Job. So, Satan will look for another opportune time to tempt Job. And we're going to see that next time as we continue through this book of Job. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to learn from the suffering of Job. But, our Father, we thank you that it reminds us of the one who suffered far greater suffering, the one who was sinless, the one who is the Son of God, the one who is God himself, Jesus the Christ. And, our Father, we just ask that you continually remind us of him and who he is and what he has done as we continue through this book of Job. And, our Father, we bring these things before you in his name. Amen. Amen.